0: Log Talk Radio. Good evening, everyone, and welcome to the 400th and the 81st edition of the Four Scenes Fire American Soccer Show. I'm your host, Daniel Force, and to get you American, give you American perspective of our clubs, leagues, players, national team, and other fabulous moments. You can get your daily reading from me and other writers over at onceametro.com, as well as the rest of the SB Nation family of soccer websites. Come on in. The chat room is open. Uh, Talk amongst yourselves if you like. If you have a question for me, I'll try to answer it to the best uh, of my ability. So, ladies and gentlemen, as we get ready for next Monday, and I'm very excited about next Monday. And why am I excited about next Monday? For the very first time ever, for the, for the very first time ever, we are going to have an actual proper draw for the CONCACAF Gold Cup 2021 for next year, next summer. Not only will this draw involve the group stage this draw will also involve preliminary qualifying for 12 sides that are going to be fighting for 3 positions in the pot 4 draw now don't forget Qatar will be a part of this uh, gold cup tournament because of the partnership that CONCACAF has with the Asian Football Confederation even though uh, I am strongly against Qatar being a part of the Gold Cup, all I can say is is that it's a situation where I think CONCACAF has just strayed off a little bit. They, they kind of strayed off a bit to leave. They should have left it as all CONCACAF confederational teams to be a part of it. But because... They have decided to allow Qatar to be a part of 2021, and I also believe they'll also be a part of 2023, um, because the World Cup will be in Qatar in 2022. Uh, Why this has happened, once again, I think it's more about money, but that's neither here nor there, unfortunately. Uh, That's the only slight I see for this uh, upcoming tournament for next summer in 2021. But it's very exciting to see How CONCACAF has implemented their Nations League tournament for the allowance of qualification to the Gold Cup itself and at the same time for having these teams fighting for those three spots after going through not only qualifying for their respective spots, but at the same time, the actual tournament themselves in Leagues A, B, and C to help with additional matches for your nations or your little Caribbean islands south of Central America. This has been absolutely fantastic. And you know what? I'm excited for this for next Monday night. On September the 28th, it will be shown live, this draw, In both English and Spanish. English language will be on Fox Sports 2. And Spanish language will be on Univision Deportes TUDN. Of course, check your local listings uh, for either your cable, uh, your satellite. Even check your uh, streaming devices, of course, like Roku um, and Fubo to see where, uh, and when, and what channel you'll be able to watch this draw. This is, just like I said, I'm excited about this because now we're going to have a legitimate feel because every year CONCACAF has the Gold Cup. Every Once, once every two years, CONCACAF has this Gold Cup tournament, and it is always CONCACAF that selects which teams go into which groups, and they do it behind closed doors. Well, not anymore. CONCACAF president Victor Montagliani has decided to make this a very interesting gold cup and once again a proper draw will be done. So it will be in two folds. It will not just be group stage qualifying uh, excuse me, the group stage draw. There will also be qualifying draw as well. The preliminary rounds for qualifying will also be involved. So we already have 12 CONCACAF nations ready to go in the first three of the four pots in the group stage. We have another round of 12 sides, of course, into two groups uh, to go into the preliminary qualifying round. This is going to be exciting. This is going to be a lot of fun. This is, like I've said already, uh, I'm happy. I am I am just extremely excited to have World Cup qual excuse me Gold Cup qualifying along with the group stage and the draw. So let's go ahead now. Apparently, CONCACAF has their own rankings. Obviously, because you have five nations that are not members of FIFA. So because of that, that's why CONCACAF has their own rankings. That's why. Uh, They will always have their FIFA rankings separately without those five islands or nations that are not FIFA members. Of course, nations like Guadeloupe and French Guiana, due to the fact that they are uh, – once again, they are not FIFA members. They are considered because they are run by the country of France, uh, departments of France, which means – uh, they are under French law. Aruba, same thing, a little different. Aruba is a FIFA member, but they are also under Dutch law. So that means whatever law they have on their own does get trumped when the Netherlands pops in for official business that they must get involved with. Guadeloupe, and we remember Guadeloupe, how they had a big run in the CONCACAF Gold Cup until it ended, I believe, in the quarterfinals uh, of one edition. I believe they lost to Mexico in that one back uh, at least, I'd say, 10 years ago, maybe a little bit uh, more than that. But still, though, we're going to wait and see what's going to happen here. So let's go ahead. Through CONCACAF rankings, here is how the, uh, the 12 teams, in the group stage, will be placed now one through four will be Mexico, United States, Costa Rica, Honduras. They are ranked one through four, and then the next four they're, they're in pot one. I should say in pot two, you'll have Jamaica, who's ranked fifth, Canada, ranked sixth, uh, Panama, is ranked eighth, El Salvador, ranked tenth, and then we'll get to of course you know the the qualifying uh, pots in a moment. Ranked uh, in Pot 3, you have Martinique, who's ranked 11th. You have Guadeloupe, ranked 13th. Uh, Suriname, ranked 15th. And Grenada, ranked 20th. Now, for some of these teams who are also ranked a little higher, but then again, let's not forget where they were placed in the CONCACAF Nations League. Of course, winners of Group B, winners of Group C, and the runners-up or the third or last place finishers of Group A, they have advanced into... Uh, the preliminary rounds. So from this point forward, here is the preceded pot uh, for the top position in each qualifying group. Ranked seventh will be Haiti, ranked ninth is Guatemala, ranked twelfth is Trinidad and Tobago, ranked fourteenth uh, is Cuba, ranked sixteenth is Guadeloupe. and ranked seventeenth will be Bermuda will be excuse me, Bermuda. The second pot, which will be considered Pot 1 for the qualifying round, it is ranked 18th, French Guyana. 19th will be regular Guyana. 23rd is St. Vincent and the Grenadines. Uh, 29th will be Barbados. 30th will be Montserrat. And finally, the Bahamas, which are ranked 33rd. So, once again... You'll see everything in English on the Fox Sports channels, even on Fox National uh, for 2021. Uh, Everything in Spanish language will be on Univision Deportes, once again, T U B N. Um, And this is something that's exciting and it's a lot of fun. And personally, I cannot wait for this. I am, you know, normally every Gold Cup tournament is exciting to watch. Obviously, the only drawback is that it's not being played in a nation that's outside the United States. We know it's been played once in Mexico. We know that uh, there's been times where Mexico and United States have shared the CONCACAF Gold Cup. We've even had Toronto hosting uh, a match for Canada, but not a full tournament for Canada. And, you know, with the growing of the sport in Canada, of course, with the Canadian Premier League now being involved... (laughs) Maybe the venues are not where they should be. Still, though, in my opinion, very soon, CONCACAF has to stop going to the United States for this tournament and at the same time going to Mexico. I know I understand security is always big and that has to be considered, but maybe it's time to spread the wealth now. Maybe it's time that CONCACAF assists in having this tournament in different nations. I understand some of these stadiums in Central America are not, of course, I guess, CONCACAF uh, by the code sanctions and stuff like that for how safe the stadiums are. So maybe it's time for CONCACAF to splash a little cash. Maybe it's time for CONCACAF to contact uh, the respective uh, federations of each nation's uh, you know soccer power. And go in there and say, you know what, we're going to help you build new stadiums. And so that you can host a Gold Cup. Because, you know, it's tough to watch these teams that have their own stadiums can't play, whether it be, uh, you know, a regulation match uh, or even, you know, the Champions League itself. Uh, also, possibly as well, the Concacaf League that uh, already has done its draw tonight for uh, that one spot to get into the Concacaf Champions League start for 2021, starting next year. Um, you know, all I can say is, is that it's a situation where you must. I repeat, you must find a way. To improve this tournament and at the same time to improve this situation where every single country, whether it be in, you know, uh, give Canada the tournament, give Mexico the full tournament, give it to Costa Rica or Honduras or Guatemala or El Salvador, Panama, even the Caribbean nations, because it's time to allow these Caribbean nations to grow up. A lot more. Don't get me wrong. Love it in the United States. But I know we have the infrastructure. And I understand that. But if we can help these other nations with their infrastructure, build better stadiums. We all know about the National Team Stadium in San Jose, Costa Rica, but that is not enough. We know there's two stadiums in Kingston, Jamaica. And, of course, one of them is the National Team Stadium. But still, though. We need help for this confederation. There needs to be more money coming in and more money, whether it be from CONCACAF itself or from FIFA. There must be, and I stress this, there must be more determination to improve this confederation. And so far, the baby steps have been great. There's still some steps going backwards, but still, we must highlight Steps are going forward. Steps are going forward. We are going forward. It is a situation, once again, where this confederation must get better and improve. That's the truth. We all know UEFA, CONMEBOL, are the strongest of confederations. But if CONCACAF can take that huge step, we can either be that third full nation that's dangerous right now, it's two and a half. More improvements must be made. And until we get to that point, until that point, all I can say is, is that we're still going to get stuck to where we are at the moment. And we've got to get out of the mediocrity. That's for sure. But ladies and gentlemen, it's time to talk about the crux of the argument tonight. And it's a, to me, it's a sore subject because it just seems like Where are the heroes that deserve their due in the National Soccer Hall of Fame? Originally in Oneonta, New York, in upstate New York, now in Frisco, Texas. We have a problem, and it's about our history. It is muddled. It is just absolutely sad to see all of this just go to waste and... I have two men with me that will discuss this problem, and they'll agree. You know, this is a huge problem. This is a very huge problem, and let's see what how much sense we can make of it. First things first. I'd like to welcome my good friend, a U.S. soccer historian, and of course the New York Cosmos historian, and Dr. David Kilpatrick, who joins me today. Of course, he uh, teaches at Mercy College uh, in the uh, Dobbs Ferry area of New York in Westchester County, and joining me for the very first time, a member of the Society of American Soccer History, Mr. Steve Holroyd joins me tonight as we try to piece together a lot of questions that probably we hope can get some answers out of. Gentlemen, good evening. Welcome to the show. Uh, First we go to David. David, um, Cosmos-related, I am shocked. And I did not know this. I am shocked that New York Cosmos goalkeeper Shep Messing is not a member of the Soccer Hall of Fame. On the MSG Networks broadcast this past, uh, shall I say, uh, last week Saturday, um, when the Red Bulls were at DC United, how is that possible? That one of you know one of the clubs back in the day. Uh, a great goalkeeper in his own right. And, you know, did so much for the national, you know, for, for the American shirt, as well as for the Cosmos shirt. He is not in the hall of fame, David. How is that possible? It's madness, Dan.
1: Thanks for, again, for having me on. It's always great to, to chat with you, whether, uh, on the broadcast or just, uh, catching up, uh, uh, off, off, uh, off, of being recorded. It's always, always great to chat with you. And, uh, Hello to my dear friend Steve as well. Um, Yeah, I mean, the fact that Shep Messing isn't in the National Soccer Hall of Fame, if that one thing doesn't bug you, uh, you know, anybody that loves U.S. soccer, um, nobody was more uh, charismatic in terms of, you know, representing the American player at the game. Um, You know, to some degree you kind of had to wonder maybe at a certain point, um, was it because of, you know, him shifting over to the MISL, that big signing with him and what he did with the Arrows, that great dynasty at the Arrows? Um, you know, he, he's been involved in the game in so many ways, in so many ways. Um, maybe to some degree these, these absurd categories of players, veterans, and builders, maybe that's um, a little bit of a problem. And as we talk about restructuring, maybe that's the first place to look, the categories themselves. And uh, along with that, the uh, qualifications to be a voter. Um, the system is clearly, clearly flawed uh, when someone like uh, Shet Messing isn't in there. Um, and there are more Cosmos in the National Soccer Hall of Fame than any other team, right? We have greater representation than any other. So we're very proud of that. Um, I, I still miss the space in O'Neana, And uh, Steve and I were down there in Frisco when it opened up in the new space. And it's a beautiful space. And... Uh, You know, somebody else uh, involved with the Cosmos, too, is on the the nominee ballot as a builder, Jim Trecker. I think he's very, very deserving of it. And he he really helped uh, make sure that the the story being told down there was done so in in an authentic uh, way, um, as best that could be done. So, uh, you know, again, I I see a problem with the categories themselves. I see a a problem with the way eligibility is played out. Um, And I'm sure, you know, we'll go into greater detail in that. But, um, yeah, probably the most glaring uh, sin of omission uh, is, is Shep Messing. It's just an absolute disgrace. Uh, uh, you know, I, you know, every time I, I speak with him, he, he's got the greatest uh, of stories because of these amazing experiences he had uh, for so many years in the game. Um, and let's face it, it wasn't just a matter of the hype. Um, you know, education of an American soccer player, um, incredibly important, incredibly important book from the era in terms of what it was like to try to make it in this league, um, as an American. Um, but, uh, totally deserving, um, as a, uh, as a player. And he was a phenomenal player. If you watch the game film from the 1977 soccer ball alone, um, if it wasn't for a few, just superhuman saves, Pelé would not have retired as a champion. Um, in, in many ways, and I've, I've said this to chef before, His performance in that championship final alone, in my view, uh, warrants his inclusion in the National Soccer Hall of Fame. But, again, it was so much more than that. Uh, I remember, you know, uh, staying up at night to watch it on my uh, little grainy black-and-white antenna TV uh, to see him in goal for the Arrows, and he was dynamic indoors as he was outdoors. Um, And what he did for help growing the game. Um, And, of course, um, yeah, he's he's one of the best broadcasters to ever – Uh, get behind the mic and uh, offer commentary too Um, and it seems like it's not just what people do on the field it seems even some of what they're doing off the field that that seems to somehow factor in uh, whether they get in or not so uh, yeah that's the first one you got to start with how is Shep Messing that in the soccer hall Fame? it's a disgrace
0: no it is a disgrace David and I'm still gobsmacked uh, that this man who has done so much yeah
1: yeah, yeah I mean, it was just, terrible. You know, has done so much, but you know, he and he came back to the club. You know, when 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 Bob Rigby uh, got injured, um, and I I know mm-hmm. uh, you know Steve is going to come at this from a Philly angle. Um, you know, Bob Rigby, another really great. He's the first American to be on the cover of Sports Illustrated. Steve, I don't want to steal your thunder on this, but um, you know, again, those are no another go ahead, Cosmos.
2: Steve. Please inform us.
0: That's well, I mean, Cosmos. first
2: of all, if, if I knew if I knew this was going to be a Cosmos Love Fest, I would have checked out. I mean, look, the Hall of Fame, curr- the Hall of Fame currently in the NASL era is already on- of the NASL honorees. Forty-two percent of them are Cosmos. I mean, how many more do you want? Okay, and and and, and not coincidentally, Dave's magnanimously uh, 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 campaigning on behalf of Bob Rigby, who was also an ex-Cosmo. I mean, how nice? What about Alan Mayer? What about Winston Dupost? But in all seriousness, I totally agree on the Shet Messing angle. In fact, um, I like to think I kind of started the argument back in 2009 or so when I wrote a piece that popped up on Big Soccer saying, look, if you look at an admittedly novel statistic, this weighted save percentage that I came up with, Shet Messing is literally the greatest goalkeeper in the history of the North American Soccer League. Um, uh, So that alone you know, should qualify him. But the fact is, and, and this is probably going to be part of the bigger discussion, uh, for what it's worth, of the NASL era, there's only one goalkeeper in there currently. It's just, interestingly, given it was the position, the one mm-hmm. position in which Americans excelled in that era, we've only got one in there. I mean, uh, Dave mentioned Rigby. We talk about messing. You could talk about the post. You could talk about Mary. I mean, there was, a, there was a whole class of, of top-notch American-born Goalkeepers, and and none of them are in and it's just part of the God and I, we're going to touch on it so it's, a, it's just part of the overall problem that I would summarize that even from its beginnings in 1950s certainly in the years before um, people started paying attention to it and even to the present, the big problem with the hall is that it, I don't think it has any idea what it's supposed to be honoring, who it wants to honor, and what its mission is. And I think that, and, and the fact that someone like a Messing is not in the hall, and it's not even talked about. It, it is just a symptom of that overarching problem. The hall doesn't know what it wants to be. I, I just, To me, it's just, it's
0: just amazing to see our history being perverted the way it is. It, the history and the players that make the history of this game, whether they are from the United States or they come from a different country to play in the United States and have a long career in the United States, uh, are not getting their due. I mean, look. I mean, if you want to talk about the early days of Major League Soccer, gentlemen, I, I mean, look at Jaime Moreno, who scored over 100 goals and is, over 100 assists with DC United, and it's amazing that he's still not in. He doesn 't have a red jacket he's not in, I understand, okay, fine, you know, but still how many, you know how many players you know not counting the cosmos because we know there's like we've already talked about there's many cosmos players that are a part of the Hall of Fame, but still though, you know why isn't you have players who started MLS, became part of their national teams or were part of their national teams, but now we we're, we're able to get on a bigger stage in the United States, and they're still not in. I, I mean, you know, Steve, it's, it's unfathomable to, you know, look at the percentages of the voting and say, you know, only Carlos Boca-Negro gets in. Now, let me just say, I'm not against Boca. Congratulations to him and his family. He deserves it. But what about the other players who also deserve going in as well? They were not slouches.
2: Well, but I think that goes with a fundamental question. I mean, and trust me, I'm no huge fan of the hall, so I don't say this as a way to defend it. But is it so? It depends on what, what is the hall's mission If the hall's there to honor American players, regardless of what league they're in, then is it so crazy that an Echeverri or a Moreno or a San Fuegos is not in the hall? Conversely, if the hall's mission is to honor American soccer, then. Then we can talk about why why aren't these players in the hall, and then conversely, why are there a number of players who had stints with the national team but did very little in the domestic league? Why are they there? I mean, and I think that's part of the problem, part of the hall's confusion. It doesn't know what it wants to honor. Apparently, in the, in the NESL era, it wants to honor players who were great here, and so you see a Carlos Alberto and a Pelé and what have you. In the MLS era, It seems to take a completely different tack. And and what we're really talking about, and I think this goes to your point, Dan, in the end, we're only honoring national team players. We're not paying any attention to MLS. We're only honoring national team players. And, again, if that's what the Hall's mission is going to be, we're Mm -hmm. here to honor the American great, then fine. But then we've got to go back and revisit You know, the the NESL era that's got about, like, you know five native-born players in it and the rest of it are people like Carlos Alberto, Ace Nesolenge, Ace Nesolenge, great players, but, again, it comes down to this fundamental question. What's the Mm -hmm. ball looking to honor? At what point do we then have to talk about, well, if it's going to be for the American-born player, do we have to talk about Giuseppe Rossi, who never played for the U.S. national team and up until this year never even played in the U.S. domestic league but he's American, should we talk about him now it, that, that's I guess that's part of the problem with two two problems two two key problems the hall's got is that one as opposed to other sports halls of fame we're not the best in the world i mean it's easy for the nBA N h l baseball. you know the people mm-hmm. who are in there are truly the greatest in the world in that sport that's not the case here and 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 the, and the other problem is soccer remains dominated by a foreign influence, and that's fine. Players come here, they give their all, you know, like an Etcheverry who did in in some way, I don't want to overstate the case, but in some ways, like Pelé, did a lot to legitimize the league at that time. Um, But we're ignoring him. Why? I mean, no one knows. No one can give you a straight answer. I think it just comes back to this fundamental confusion. The Hall doesn't know who it's supposed to be honoring or why
1: yeah I, and, I,
2: and
1: David, I, you know mm-hmm. I said, I, I totally agree go ahead david and uh, you know I don't agree with Steve too much, but uh, on this point, very okay. definitely um there's there's a real cl- clear um well lack of clarity right there's no sense of vision and mission and uh uh someone who shall not be named is actually um you know a, a, a accused uh, Steve and i of of some kind of soccer xenophobia. The absurdity of that is, is just completely eludes me. Um, but, you know, as, a, as an American growing up playing in the game, I can't tell you um, what what it meant to have somebody like a Shep Messing there. Rick Davis is in, is in the Hall of Fame, very deservedly so. Kyle Rowe Jr., very deservedly so in there. But, again, Shep Messing was right there with that, um, you know, a household name. Uh, honestly, I remember being embarrassed at Giants Stadium introducing my mother to Shep, you know it was like, oh, my gosh, is that Chef Messing over there? You know, like, yeah, mom, you know. But the thing is that <laughs> that's just it. You know, everybody knew Chef Messing, and he was that good. And, uh, you know, the, that, that article that, that Steve uh, alluded to, so important from back in, in 2008, um, you know, I, I posted a link to, to his update from 2013 on that just now on my, on my Twitter feed so everybody can read it. Um, I remember uh, when it first came out um, – Shep read it uh, sometime shortly after that. I, I seem to remember he said something along the lines of, you know, hey, I, I didn't even realize I was that good. I was that good, <laughs> wasn't I? It proves it. Um, Steve, I hope you've had the chance to, to talk about it with him. But, he, you know, he's, he's really proud of what, what Steve really proved, really proves. Um, it wasn't just the, you know, pinch between your cheek and gums. Uh, you know, it, it really was a matter of he was brilliant. And he was playing against the world's best players of his generation when he was he was playing with and against the best players of his generation and more than proved his his ability um to to to, to say that he's deserving you can't overstate it um, but again it it really um begs the question of of what is this all about um you know i you, you mentioned uh you know I, I, I'm from you know i live in in Dobbs Ferry but I also have a home up in uh Mohawk Valley, I'm about uh, 15, 20 minutes away from the Baseball Hall of Fame in Cooperstown here right now as we speak, and everyone that Mm -hmm. gets into the Baseball Hall of Fame, um, I know you said that you feel Bocanegra is deserving. I really don't want to argue that. Um, Mm -hmm. Steve had had, had talked about this a little bit. Steve, did I call you the minute that the announcement was made? uh, um, Yeah, yeah. But, you know, to me, you know, I – and, and, and as you know, uh, I, I'm also outside of the country. I, I, I follow Rangers pretty closely, so you'd expect me to be really thrilled about Bocanegra getting in. But the only one to get in, I really don't know anybody. Again, this isn't to knock the guy. Great player, great player. But did anybody ever say, I've got to get to – Dad, please take me to the game Carlos Bocanegra is playing tonight. Did that ever happen in a, in a visiting city? Everyone in the Baseball Hall of Fame – Everyone in the Baseball Hall of Fame was a draw, a draw. Shep Messing was a draw. Uh, the list of players in it. Now, again, getting back to that question, you know, Beckham's had a, had a few goes. Does Beckham then on my kind of argument then deserve to get in? I don't know how it's only one person. That, that's the thing more than anything. And, again, you know, obviously the elephant in the room is how can someone like Hope Solo not be a first-time uh, Hall of Famer? unless this is some kind of consequence for actions off the field, one form or another. I think if you're talking about achievement, it's an insult. As we, as we talk about gender equity in our culture right now, and it's a very, very important discussion for us to be having. For someone like Hope Solo not to be enshrined first ballot, look, I think there's really like only one way to explain that, and that's whatever has happened off the field. Uh, but again, what does that say to, to, to female players out there that there isn't a single woman enshrined this year? It's a disgrace. It's another thing that's an absolute disgrace. But again, these are well-intentioned people. These aren't villains that are deciding this necessarily. Again, I really think that the, the, the system of, uh, of player veteran builder and, uh, you know, then, you know, who's actually eligible to be voting, um, you know, it's, it's, it's a very flawed system um, that is really doing an injustice to the institution of the Hall of Fame. Uh, but even uh, in terms of uh, for the future, you know, this is a real opportunity to celebrate uh, people that have, that have committed so much to the game. Again, even in terms of, I mentioned Jim Trecker. SC Bahamas Baharmist deserves to be in there. Um, you know, the, the list goes on. Uh, you know, for only one person to be enshrined, it just it boggles the mind.
0: No, it really does. And Steve, you know, I just saw this you posted it on Twitter uh, to tell everyone that you're going to be on my show. I- I'm I'm shocked when I read this. Uh, tune in to hear how someone with n- nine games in the Division One league and only one cap is in the
2: Hall of Fame as a player.
0: Who is this player?
2: This uh, now, in fairness. You can't blame any of the current voting group for this. Uh, The gentleman went in in the class of 86. Mm -hmm. His name was Mike Bookie, and uh, he was born in Pittsburgh. Uh, He had, like, five games with the Boston Wonderworkers of the American Soccer League and another four with the New Bedford Whalers Mm -hmm. and one cap. I think, in fairness, he was inducted because he he he, he was killed during a training exercise while serving in World War II in 1944 um but and and i well look we and all is an appropriate response but that's not the criteria to go into the hall that that, that's that's a plaque somewhere maybe honoring those who died during the war because several people in the second asl did that's not something that warrants induction in the hall any more than and another famous and this again criticizing the older hall but it's Just another example about how it's never really known what its function was. You know, in 1976, the Hall inducted the 1950 World Cup team en masse. And on the plus side, that remedied an injustice that saw that, you know, Walter Barr, although eligible for about 18 years at that point, had not been inducted as an individual yet. And there were reasons for that. So at least it got him in. But it also meant that, you know, not less than four players who didn't even play in 1950? They were on the roster. They didn't play in any of the games. One had never even been capped ever. Another had been capped in 48. Mm-hmm. You know, they're there because they rode the bench on the 1950 team. This is what the Hall is, as opposed to you know, Barr couldn't get in on his own. Don't talk about players like um, Ruben Mendoza, a big scorer out of uh, St. Louis in the 1950s. He's not in. Right, and, and it's just, and it comes from an era where, remember, up until very recently, this was a hall that was about seventy percent administrators, thirty percent players. Mm-hmm. Even now, it's basically fifty-fifty. It's one hundred fifty-four players and on one hundred fifty-one builders. Okay, and that's only with the recent years with the heavy emphasis on getting players in. This was an old boys club where youth soccer administrators said, "Hey, you nominate me, I'll nominate you. We'll both get in." Ha ha! And players were forgotten. And and so yeah, it's, mm-hmm. uh, it's I don't I don't mean to pick on Mr. Bookie. He died in service to this country, but that's not a, and it, it, you know it's not like he had a great career cut short. Again, nine games in a D1 league and one cap. He's in the hall, and we, you know, we're going to argue over your Morenos, your Echeverries, your Valderramas, and indeed, because it's looking like a a national team heavy hall. We may also be talking about Taylor Twellman, and people other MLS-era Americans who aren't going to get in because they didn't have a big enough splash uh, in national team play. And, if, again, if that's what the Hall wants to be, then, then change your name, clean house, and be that. But you've got to pick a lane. And it seems to be all over the place.
1: Yeah, and, and I think now, you know, when you look at the, mm-hmm. the player ballot for this year, you know, the, 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 when, you, when you have to achieve – a certain threshold, right, Um, you know, to to appear on 50% of the ballots that are cast. When you have that many people on the ballot, you know, it just becomes a a, a mathematical problem in some way. Again, it still doesn't explain how Hope Hope Solo isn't on over 50% of those ballot casts. I don't get that. But there are a lot of names on that list of players, really great players. Being a a great player um, does not mean you're a Hall of Famer. Right. Being a Hall of Famer means you stood out. You were an absolute exception. You, you're, you're, you're a legend. I mean, we talk about immortality with this, right? And, you know, okay. You know, it's, it's not like this is being canonized, but it's the, this is the greatest honor that we can bestow on anyone involved in American soccer. Um, so, you know, if, if it needs to be a matter of prune down the ballot, you know, just scroll down the list of people on the ballot this year. There are simply too many people. So it becomes in some ways almost a mathematical problem. And then the other question, of course, too, is who is an eligible voter, right? That 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 skews the process terribly as well. And I would also say that, you know, I, as <laughs> Hall of Famers themselves are eligible, um, I'm not going to name any names, but there are, there are a few Hall of Famers who've talked to me that they find the entire process so flawed right now that they don't want to participate in it. Now, again, that can be self-defeating, right? Um, now, we had a much, much better turnout. You know, Twelman had his rather famous rant a couple of years ago. And, you know, it was nice to see, see Steve Zungle uh, as, you know, uh, as somebody who is finally eligible. Again, I don't know how Zungle doesn't get in. I don't know how Messing is getting in. I hope uh, I'm not offending your uh, Philadelphia sensibilities by uh, getting upset about the arrows there, Steve. Um, but, again, uh, you know, their impact on the game um, really, really, can't be overstated Uh, but when there's you know when it's so skewed towards players of a certain you know recent era and then veterans have a much harder time now when in the past the criteria was really confusing so there's some people that are in there great people love the game made an impact but when you look at some people who are in the Hall of Fame, you kind of wonder, how's that? And then you look now, obviously, at the people that should be in there that aren't. You really are wondering, how's that? We've got to fix this.
0: Well, here's the, the Hall of Fame voters. And this is from that, you know, thank, thank goodness for Twitter, uh, from Taylor Twelman. The, this is the list. Ten candidates per ballot, all past and present senior men's and women's national team coaches, all active MLS and NWSL head coaches, minimum four years experience, MLS and NWSL Uh-oh. management representatives. Dan, can I interrupt, that? Dan, can I interrupt yes, go. that? That's four, that's yeah, four go, go. years of
1: experience at a Division One level, not necessarily domestic. Yeah. So you could be coaching in U.S. soccer for 40 years, but if, you see what I mean? It's four years at a mm-hmm. Division One level, not necessarily in the United States.
0: Right. Right. Um, also, uh, all Hall of Famers um, Designated media members That's, this, this is a little something I'll get with you guys in a minute But I want to finish this off here Designated media members The MLS Commissioner, who is Don Garber And NWSL Executive Director U.S. Soccer's Chief Executive Officer Also the Secretary General And the U.S. Soccer President Who is currently now Cindy Parlo-Cohn I mean... It, it, to, to me, it seems like there's too many people putting their hands into the cookie jar, or if they see the cookie jar, they're going to ignore it, and we're not going to have a regular or a true representation of those players who should be deserving To go into the brand-new Hall of Fame, of course, it's been a couple of years now, uh, down in Frisco, uh, Texas, Steve, and it's really, really bothersome when you have people who are allowed to have a vote, either are voting uh, or they're voting for the wrong person. They just don't want to vote at all.
2: Well, I mean, as Kent Brockman once said, you know, I said it before and I'll say it again, democracy just doesn't work. I mean, Hmm. that's the problem with voting. Um, I, I don't i I'm not a voter david's not a voter um and i i am not quite sure why not i mean at least if at least on the veterans' end of things if you're not reaching out to people like us to handle the veterans end of things i don't know upon whom you are relying but i don't necessarily mind the great number of voters um because again votes are votes. I think the problem is on the back end i mean i if i i don't necessarily mind the ballot being so large where it becomes a problem like david was alluding to was where oh it's a huge ballot but i only get to vote for 10 i mean there's an indoor soccer hall of fame i get to vote on that and it's i guess it works a lot like baseball does basically the criteria is have you played at least x amount of years and are you retired x amount of years you don't worry about caps all-star appearances cup winners and then you let the voters decide and if you it's like with baseball if you get a certain percentage you survive to be on the ballot the next year if you don't you drop from the ballot but i'm not limited i could vote for everyone on the ballot if i chose to i could vote for three if i chose to i think uh, there's a there's a combination of things that make it such a mess now there is the rather limiting criteria uh, and, and it does tend to be national team specific and I, and, and, then the, and even the backup criteria about having played uh, at least five seasons okay, in an American D1 league. All right, so if I'm a good player, so, so I'm Brent Poulet, what am I doing? I mean, I am like the shining light of the era between NASL and MLS in American soccer. And I, I played in Germany. I'm, I'm forgotten. I didn't get enough caps because the team didn't play back then. It was pre-1990. So I don't get enough caps. Um, I didn't star in the right league. So now I'm totally forgotten, even though I may have been the premier American scorer of my generation. And that's a problem. Never mind the indoor leagues. Dave touched on it. Never mind the fact MISL doesn't fall into that criteria at all. So an entire swath, an entire generation of players that carried the sport in this country, both American and foreign, are forgotten. So you got you have that problem. And then uh, coupled with that, so that's still a lot of names, but you can only vote for 10. And then it takes 50% to get in. That, that's just a math. Like David was saying, that's just a, a mathematical problem that could be avoided if he just said, "Look, here's a list of be a thousand names. Here's a list. Vote for as many as you want, but uh, we know, you know how many are going to make it next year it depends on how many votes you get. I mean, the system works in other halls of fame. Why do we have this problem? And, and that's so. And again, it's just one of many things that has to get fixed. I mean, even figuring out, okay, you don't have to vote for only ten. You can vote for however many you want. You still get back to the fundamental problem, what are we? What am I voting for? What am I honoring? And that's, again, a question no one's got an answer for. Yeah, and, and David – In terms of uh, media mm-hmm. – vo- sorry, go
1: ahead, Dan. I was just going to say the media well, voters, no, too. No, I was
0: going to go to you. No, you can go ahead. You, you can go ahead, then I'll, I'll, I'll ask you my question later. But you can go ahead, David.
1: No, I, I just don't understand how they're being selected. You know, I, I have no idea of really – necessarily who they are some people come out and say um i get to vote and this is what my vote is and you're kind of wondering really this person's got a vote okay you know and again that's not to say i mean kind of steve to say uh whatever you know but i i do think the society for um american soccer history sash of which you know steve and i are very involved i I think hopefully we've got you know we, we have a good relationship with with the hall um, we had a conference mm-hmm. uh, at, at Frisco when it when it opened up, um, but uh, you know I, I would like to think that we ha- have a, a, a greater role to play. Uh, Saber has a good relationship with uh, the Baseball Hall of Fame, and and I, I I I think you know we would be very happy to be an even greater resource to help right these wrongs. Oh, by the way, Shep Messing just tweeted he's a fan of Steve Alroy, so I'm jealous.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I love the man's Shep's got good great. taste. What can I
2: tell
0: yeah. you? <laughs> <laughs> well, I hope I'm glad Shep's listening. If he is listening to the show, I hope I'm glad he's listening in. Um, you know, Shep's a great uh, uh, a great guy. Uh, I enjoy having conversations with him uh, whenever I see him at Red Bull Arena. Obviously, um, I know where I know where his car is. I've seen his license plate, but you know, during the this whole pandemic. <laughs> but that's another story.
2: Uh, (laughs) Let's stick stick with Shep for a second Because, you know, I have to say I don't don't share Dave's outrage Over Hope Solo's not being a first ballot Hall of Famer Um, You know, no no matter how great you are I mean, history has shown uh, That that, that just being great doesn't necessarily guarantee you First ballot status uh, Because when people vote, when humans vote There's going to be personalities involved I mean, I, I pointed out at the time Joe DiMaggio, not a first ballot Hall of Famer okay? Yogi Berra, not a first ballot Hall of Famer, ludicrous in hindsight. Uh, Never mind, you know, Ted Williams and a number of people who were first ballot, but didn't get 100%. I mean, the fact is, it wasn't just off-field stuff. If we're being fair, Hope Solo was not exactly the consummate teammate, all right? And in some ways, I think Shep suffers from the same thing. He He wrote a book, he wrote Soccer's Ball Four, which put some people's noses out of joint. Um, he, was, he was outspoken uh, for player rights. Uh, at the same time, he, uh, he also undermined the NASL so, in some people's uh, minds because he legitimized the major indoor soccer league. He was the first big signing. He was their Bobby Hull, if you will. And I'm sure that got people, uh, the, the outdoor soccer community, worked up and grudges are held. I mean, all you have to do is look at the NHL Hall of Fame and see how they continue to ignore the very existence of the world hockey association. If hope's not in next year, then I'll join in the outrage. Cause now you're talking about it. it's gone beyond. Look, here's a message. You weren't the best of teammates. You weren't the best person. So you have to wait like others have before. If she's not in next year, then I'll get outraged. But again, that, that's always gonna be a part of the process. And indeed I had this conversation with, um, with uh, Bill Reno who does the uh, let's all soccer, Everybody soccer podcast. And he's, He's, he was upset that uh, Abby Wambach wasn't 100%. And, and I had kind of a similar discussion about, well, could, you don't know. Maybe she was mean to someone in the locker room. Maybe someone decided the era in which she ran up her numbers wasn't a particularly strong era for women's soccer. Bottom line is, after a year or two, no one remembers the percentages. All he remembers is that you're in the Hall. Hope's getting in. She'll be a Hall of Famer. Come 2023, no one's going to remember she wasn't first ballot. But, uh, yeah. And, I, and it's good. And frankly, it's good that it prompted the discussion about the problems of the hall generally. But I mean, I, I just want to go on record because I have to maintain some credibility, given some of the things I tweeted. I, this is not I, I don't see this as like the greatest outrage in, in the history of, uh, you know, mankind. She'll get her turn. But um, but I think it's, Shep is a good example, because I think, frankly, he's the hope solo of his generation. But because the hall remains so broken as far as its voting process he's still not in. I mean, that's much more of an outrage than Hope Solo 2020. As I said, talk to me next year. If she's still not in, yeah, then maybe we have a bigger problem that needs to be addressed. But uh, yeah, Shep and Hope are very much, uh, very similar in that way. And, again, you can see some of the inherent flaws. When you, when you have people vote, sometimes you're going to get little quirks like this. Yeah,
0: no, I understand. But, you know,
2: still, though, um... You'd like to
0: think that there are certain players that are either should have been the first ballot Hall of Famer automatically, or they should have been in the Hall of Fame by now. And yeah, it's still a shame that you know someone like Shep uh, did not. It's still not in, and it's just. And and I will go with this player um, on my side of things. More you know, MLS between. 1999, 2000, all the way through 2004, 2005. And maybe David knows where I'll be going with this because it will be MetroStars related. And that is, of course, in my opinion, Clint Mathis. And, I'm, yeah. and you, can, you can argue this with me as much as you want, either one of you. But to see what Clint Mathis did, even though he never did much with the Galaxy – Octavio Zambrano knew what he had when he was with the Galaxy and then went to the Metro Stars, brought Clint Mathis over, and what did Clint Mathis do? How many goals did he score? How many amazing highlights he had? I mean, we can talk about the five-goal game against the Dallas Burn at the Cotton Bowl until... You know, someone in Europe did it. I think I keep forgetting. I think it was Lewandowski that finally scored five goals in one game in Germany. No one scored five goals in a game, period, until Clint Mathis did it in in the year 2000. What else did he do? An 80-yard slalom through three Dallas Burn defenders and smashed it past Matt Jordan for the biggest highlight goal you'll ever see in your life. Such an amazing individual effort against Kansas City Wizards. And that was the year he was running really red hot before he had that ACL injury in a friendly for the U.S. at Columbus. I think it was against Ecuador. He had a right-foot free kick, left-foot attacking run goal, and a header goal for a hat-trick against Kansas City on a midweek night. I mean, and even the free kick goloso in World Cup qualifying for Korea, South Korea-Japan at Honduras, I called it the Honduran special, because that goal was unbelievable, and then of course the World Cup goal he scored against one of the two host nations in South Korea, at the World Cup itself, how this man is not in the Hall of Fame blows my mind, why is Steve Ralston not in the Hall of Fame, that also blows my mind, David, it's unfathomable to see what Clint Mathis has done, okay fine, Bit of a rigid guy a little bit. You know, he had his own little quirks. We all know. Bit of a hot-tempered uh, southern Georgia boy at the time. But still, though, this man just put on a highlight reel, and he's not in Frisco.
1: I, I, You know I'm a big Cletus fan. Big Cletus fan. And, and yeah, I, I, I've been pretty upset with that. And, again, that goes back to the, the kind of criteria of being a real impact player, right? Uh, Clint Mathis is the type of player that you, that a kid is going to beg their parents to let them go see play live. That's how great he was. Um, you know, not again. You know, Bob Rigby. I mentioned the idea of the Sports Illustrated cover, right? This is a guy who's making such an impact on 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 the game domestically, such an inspiration to so many kids playing soccer, um, and it, uh, obviously what he achieved in in uh, Korea during the Korea Japan World Cup. Uh, he, he, he was electric, and um, he's precisely the type of dynamic player we're saying now that in the youth ranks we want to try to cultivate somebody with that kind of instinct to goal. But instead of Clint Mathis, this great impact player who, who achieved at the world stage, um, we've got Carlos Spokeninger Again, a good player, but if, you know, let's compare in terms of what they do on the pitch. How about Tiffany Roberts on the on the, uh, the veteran ballot? Uh, Again, to to shift away a little bit from Hope Solo, right? Tiffany Roberts, I would argue, somewhat of a comparable role to Bocanegra in in terms of uh, defensive uh, midfielder, right? Defender, uh, play up in the midfield as well. Um, You know, she she is a gold medal winner. Uh, She's a a World Cup winner. Um, We're talking players that achieve the, you know, and isn't winning the World Cup, something that we want to value in terms of the hall of fame. And again, this, this institution is to be sending a signal to the entire country. What is the signal to all of the kids playing soccer, boys and girls, that there's only one person that gets in and it happens to be a man. That, that's the point I'm saying about hope solo that, you know, we're having these conversations in this country and we need to have these conversations in this country. So, you know, again, Maybe that's something we need to think about. Someone on the men's side, someone on the women's side. I don't know. How, I've got my ideas how, how this could be restructured. But, but really, you know, in terms of impact player and roles on the pitch, um, you know, I'm not saying that Tiffany Roberts was the kind of impact player that Amia Ham Hamm was or, or Megan Rapino is. Um, but, again, this is someone who, who won a gold medal and, uh, and a World Cup. And, quite frankly, there isn't any male player who's done either of those.
2: This may surprise you guys, but there is soccer outside the city of New York, and um, <laughs> and, I, and I say that because Dave's got a good point. I mean, when you go to Bocanegra, Negra, I think the the, the the twin of Bocanegra today is uh, Philadelphia Union uh, uh, captain Alejandro um, uh, uh, Moreno Bedoya and Bedoya, Bedoya. Yeah, Moreno, yeah, yeah, I got MLS in my mind. Yeah, the, the other, yeah, Bedoya. I mean, look, he played in France has U.S. national team caps, good, also serviceable, played you know, also played for Rangers, good, serviceable work. You know, is this Hall of Fame quality? That goes to the pizzazz value that, that Dave was talking about. And I'd say no. I'm sorry. I mean, you, you can have a long, solid career. But, you know, I, 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 I do not have my union season tickets. So I can go see Bedoya play. Well, frankly, I don't know why I have my union season tickets because he doesn't spend any money on any flashy players. But that's neither here nor there. <laughs> Um, but but I mean yeah it goes to that point now that's funny when when David again talks about all oh, the messages sending the girls everywhere I, I bite my tongue because I take the flip side of that and I, I would hijack this show so I'll just leave it at this you know I think where media I mean I think where the presentation of this of soccer in this country by mass media be it movies be it advertising is so all girls all the time to the point of, uh, and I know they win. I'm not I'm not so much begrudging the girls as much as I tend to think it's part of an overall conspiracy to, again, keep boys away from the sport of soccer. Just like in the 70s, it was a foreign game. Now in the 2020, you know, in the, 20, you know, the 21st century, it's a girls game. So the fact that there's a year where only one man gets in and there's no uh, woman, uh, again, I'm not as worked up about this, but, Again, this is 2020. It's, 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 there's a whole lot going on. But, um, yeah, that's a but brilliant no, but, but, but point. yeah, I mean, no, I, mean I, I really, I love I, I me. Mean, even Good Night, there's a Good Night Moon, a version of Good Night Moon with soccer. And it's a girl soccer player in the bed. I mean, but that's a whole, I don't want to get off on that rant. But, uh, you know, Shep in his book talked about, Soccer reporters being told, uh, or newspapers being told, don't give too many inches to that foreign game in here. Some free tickets to the Mets. About you know, again, it was it was the immigrant game. Dick Young saying it was bad for American kids. It was communist and all. Well, that's failed utterly. So I mean, personally, I see that the other sports who fear soccer being as big here as it is in other countries have taken another tack, and that's basically to feminize it. And and I don't. Again, I don't. I, I watch. As much women's soccer as I watch men's soccer. I love the game, but I think there's a real subtext going on here. And uh, and so, yeah, if there's a year where a guy gets in and no woman, good. That thwarts someone's agenda. Yeah,
1: I, I, you know, I, yeah, I think I, That's a really mm-hmm. interesting point that, um, you know, I, I you know, I, I'm sitting here in Canada, Jeharry, uh, you know, and uh, I, I moved to, to Canada, Harry in in 1980 from Memphis, Tennessee, where I'd been playing. Um, and it's the next village over from Fort Plain, where my father played soccer in the late 50s, early 60s. So there's my father uh, who, who taught me how to play soccer, and he wasn't a he wasn't a foreign immigrant. Um, soccer's been played here for for you know since since the 1860s. Uh, since since football split into the association and rugby codes, you know the, the, those laws of the game were published here um, as early as 1866. Um, when, when the Beatle brothers uh, put out their dime book of, uh, of the association, with the association code in it. But um, when I came to Harry in 1980, um, I had to meet with the guidance counselor to set my schedule. He said, do you have any questions? And I said, yeah, when does soccer start? And he said, what? What do you mean? And I said, when does soccer start? And he said, I don't understand your question. And he had a window to his office that looked out on a field behind me, you can see the soccer goals. I said, I, I see the goals right through your window here. When does the season start? He goes, soccer? That's a girls' game. And I looked at my mother sitting next to me, and I just felt like, what have you got me into? Now, in, in 1994, I'd finished up my uh, doctoral coursework at Binghamton, and I was really proud to say that I was involved in, in the, the first season of boys' varsity soccer here in Kanagiri in 1994. Um, now, we've got films like, like Gracie, right, that – you know, yeah. kind of reinforce this idea of uh, in a, a great film, great film. If you know, it with Elizabeth Shue, the idea, and um, uh, she's the she's the man. Uh, another film where a girl's having to, um, you know, conceal her identity, kind of a twist on on Shakespeare, uh, to play on a boys' team. But the reality is, there's still boys in different communities who are shut out from playing school soccer because athletic directors see it as a as a girl sport, not a boys' game. So, so I do want to validate. Uh, Steve's point on that, that kind of, you know, again, the Tommy the pansy comments from back then, and still the idea of, oh, well, the girls are successful, boys, you know, there is, there is a lot of rhetoric there, and, and so I don't want to just dismiss what he just said. However, again, to reinforce what you just said, because we're hearing so much about the women and their success, because they have been so very successful, you know, um, how can you win the World Cup? How can you win um, the, the Olympic tournament, how, how can we have so much success? Four gold medals. Four gold medals. Right? We forget about that. Not just the World Cup wins. How are more of those players, and again, if, if the media attention is so much, to, to, to Steve's point, slanted towards the women's side, then how can you justify someone who's won neither gold medal nor World Cup being the only one who's inducted? Again, it's kind of unfair to Bocanegra. You know, I, I, honestly, I've never met him. Um, I met Bedoya in, in Rangers, but I didn't meet Bocanegra while he was there uh, for whatever reason. But, um, you know, it, it's not to, 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 to say he's not deserving. You know, you talk to loads of people in the game, loads of other players. Nobody's ever – again, I think I'm kind of sticking my neck out a little bit and saying, look, nobody went to go see Carlos Bocanegra play. But did people go to see Hope Solo play? Oh, you bet. You bet. They, they came out for a ticker tape parade for it. To see Hope Solo, right? I took my daughter to see her uh, on a, at a ticker tape parade to celebrate that World Cup win. That's got to count for something. And I'm and she's not the only women's player who's being slighted here. So I, I think Steve's got a really interesting point about that and how we uh, how we handle gender. Clearly, there's not enough women coaches in the game. Um, you know, we're still struggling. Uh, yet another. Uh, women's professional league that that's that's struggling and Mm -hmm. we can talk about all those issues, but, and I think we really need to talk about those issues and that's what I'm saying. I I think that there's uh, we need to talk about uh, gender equity and the hall of fame is, is, is a, a, to me, a place where uh, you could be sending a really positive signal um, to not just girls that are playing soccer and boys that are playing soccer. You could be sending a really positive signal to American culture by recognizing what, some of these players. And I think that's just it. For those people that are only, you know, tuning into SportsCenter or maybe looking in the – you guys have a newspaper in Philadelphia, right? You guys read there, right, Steve? But, you know, you've opened uh, up the you, page in New York Times. Yes, we do, yeah. And you've got to ask yourself, you know, how is it these women are getting all this coverage and yet the only inductee is a guy? And what did he win? That's what they're going to ask.
0: What did he win? I was going to add on to Steve's uh, argument. Uh, let's not forget that uh, soccer movie uh, Ladybugs with Rodney Dangerfield where uh, he's head coaching a girl team that's terrible, and then, of course, he asks a boy to become a girl just so they can win games. So I guess uh, there's a hidden agenda there somewhere. I don't know where, but well, and also, that, that and movie and one just minute, popped
2: I, up in my head. Yeah, that, that was a, a, a true classic. But even like kicking and screaming, yeah. I mean, you saw the team, it was all here's the – the adopted child with the lesbian parents. Uh, They played up all the sissy tropes. And of course the team was only good when he found the two Italian kids working at their, in in their Italian father's fish market or whatever. And they came out and bossed the league. I mean, it's as again, this, this continues to be a a real fear uh, by, you know, the, the old guard. I mean, I guess it mirrors a lot of what we're seeing in politics. Now there's a, there's a certain generation that can't doesn't want to realize the world is changing, and uh, and uh, and so so yeah you still have the immigrant trope too but yeah I think now the the the, the card they're playing is oh it's a girl's game it's a girl's game and uh, and yeah and they and I guess I agree with David I guess I'm more concerned when it's more about canonizing Hope Solo who again frankly I'll make plenty of arguments you know the type of teammate you were doesn't matter how great you were, you know, you're not a first balloter. okay? You don't have a divine right to first ballot. As I pointed out, plenty of great players, probably greater in the grand scheme of things than other sports, were not first ballot. Again, if she's left out next year, we could talk. But as Dave points out, fine, not Hope Solo. There are plenty of other deserving, successful cup winners, medal winners, plenty of other women out there, And, and right, not a single one of them, Again, given the rather low fifty percent threshold, not a single one of them could get in. Maybe, yeah, maybe that's a bigger problem and and a a bigger discussion. But again, just it brings us back to where we started. It it all comes down to I think the the big problem is again the hall doesn't know what it wants to be, and and here we are.
0: Now I want to take you guys into my perspective of the uh, the people who are allowed to have a vote, and the one part that I'm very upset with is the designated media people. And once again, um, I work in the media. Now, granted, I am not with, uh, you know, the Philadelphia uh, newspapers or the New York newspapers or the Los Angeles newspapers or the Chicago Tribune or the Orlando Sentinel or the Sun Sentinel or, you know, wherever uh, soccer is being reported on on a major newspaper. I admit, you know, my... My publication is online through uh, SB Nation, which is run by Vox Media, V O X, um, and I don't have a vote either. So then my question is this if the majority of the people who vote in the respective players in their respective Hall of Fames, so of course, the Baseball Writers Association of America does the Baseball Hall of Fame, you have professional hockey writers for the hockey Hall of Fame, same thing for the basketball and for the, you know, in Springfield and the national Fo- and the football Hall of Fame in uh, Canton, Ohio, you know, the media mostly takes care of the votes. And I don't know if there's an administration, department or owners are allowed or even the commissioners of uh, the respective sports or presidents of the respective sports have a vote, but the majority of the votes come from the media, and when I see designated media people for the Soccer Hall of Fame, is that the most flawed uh, requisite out of that entire list that we that I read earlier on our show? Well, you know,
1: Dan, the thing is, is that, you know, someone like yourself, you know, you're, you're meeting a need because the popular media, there's not much soccer coverage to begin with. I mean, let's face it. You know, after after you know a, a quarter century uh, of uh, major league soccer, um, the 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 local the local teams in major league soccer are lucky if they get a quote from from AP in the New York Times, the, our paper of record, right? So, mm-hmm. who who are the right? In other words, if you're if you're saying oh, soccer media. Well, it really should include the alternative media because, again, you know, Steve referenced this earlier in terms of big soccer. Which you know, think about the role that big soccer had to, played, right? Um, think about the role that big yeah. soccer played in terms of it was we weren't getting any coverage from the media, and the in the the media that are giving the coverage in these in these newspapers, you know, are they are they really giving it the kind of coverage that we want? They really have, you know, how are they getting? We could talk about so much about access and coverage and things like that. Um, and again, I, 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 know I do have some friends who got to vote and I'm, I'm not begrudging anybody that and I, I, you know, look, I'm, I'm not saying, Oh, Hey, I deserve, I'm not saying that at all. I think society for American soccer history has a really important role to play. I, but I think, however, you know, baseball writers, you know, uh, that, that determine whatever with Cooperstown, that's a completely different ball game. No pun intended, right? Absolutely different in terms of what it means to be, um, you know, 10 years on a beat as it is to be eligible to be voting uh, for the Baseball Hall of Fame. Um, so, you know, th- there needs to be a, a different way of looking at this. I mean, what does it mean to be a, a, a media member that's get you know, because again, you could have media credentials, at least you're getting some access. I know, I, I, I know you're, you're on the beat, Dan, you've been on the beat for, for a long time, but you're, you know, shows like this um, exist because, the popular media isn't delivering the goods. So, the, so why would it be that the people aren't, that aren't really delivering the goods are the ones that get more of a say? I, I'm, I'm really not quite getting that. So I even think in terms of, you know, why is it media? Why is it not writers or something? You know what I mean? Um, that, that, mm-hmm. that to me is, is, is uh, you know, we need to be thinking about that type of thing because I'm not even really sure what that means. Does that mean somebody in the broadcast booth on ESPN gets a vote but someone like yourself is not or um somebody who's who's publishing scholarly articles they're just to be ignored i i, I don't really understand that i really don't get that and again it's so it, and if it, because the selectivity of that seems to be rather opaque uh, um you know it, it, how are they being selected how are they being so it's not it's not an autonomous organization that's selecting those people right so, mm-hmm. so, you know, in terms of the process, therefore, lacks integrity.
0: And, Steve, I mean, the same thing. I mean, I know you read your Philadelphia uh, newspapers in the sports section. Um, I have a colleague that works for uh, one of the Philadelphia newspapers as well, um, and he's been covering the union for a good long time. I, I mean, I, I would definitely believe he gets a vote uh, for the Hall of Fame as well. But, you know, let's say that he wasn't covering the game in Philadelphia. He wasn't covering the Union. And, I mean, I know other people uh, with SB Nation in the soccer department, uh, members of the brotherly game uh, of SB Nation that covers the Union. Matt Ralph is one of them. I mean, he covers the team, uh, you know, every single day. And I don't know if he – I don't think he has a vote either in this situation. I mean, what would you say if you're going to talk to, you know, the Hall and say, well, listen, you know, we can't have designated writers that you have to pick to be allowed to have a vote. I mean, I would like to think, you know, if you're going to have a minimum amount of years of writing about any player on any team – in this country, even on the national team, men or women, doesn't matter where, you know, shouldn't we also get the opportunity to vote for these players who are going to come up on the ballot?
2: Absolutely. If I, and, and if, if I were talking to the hall, I would say, say look, you know, you're trying to be like all the other halls, not only in what you think you're honoring, but also in who you think gets to vote. And David's point was was spot on. It, it was It's real easy for baseball. because You could say, okay, the writers are going to be with the big metropolitan newspapers and the beat writers, and they're truly invested in the game, and they know we can trust them, we will rely upon them. That's fine. Soccer's not there. I mean, notwithstanding, like you mentioned in Philadelphia, you have a guy, you know, one of us are naming him, so, so be it. But he, if he's listening, he's great. The guy that does the Philadelphia Union or the Philadelphia Inquirer is great. He's a real soccer beat reporter. But many others don't even want the job. I mean, I, I mean it's funny as, as and Dave's probably seeing this too. When I'm doing, uh, I'm doing research. I'm going through newspapers.com and I see, hey, Al Morgani used to write Fury games. Well, now he's the dean of hockey writers because that's all he ever wanted to be. You know, writing yeah. for the Fury was a way station, and that's still. Yeah. I mean, Tannenwald's totally devoted to Philadelphia. In a lot of these other places, I mean, yeah, it may very well the people who are getting the vote, because they're these soccer beat writers, they don't care. They're, they're, hope, they're, they're doing that job until the football guy dies or retires so they can move in. So, yeah. right, so, so you tell the whole, you have to look beyond that. I mean, big soccer was the media for many, it was soccer media for many years. So, right. so yeah, and now it's blogs. Now, now for what it's worth, there is a group, the North American Soccer Reporters. I'm in it. And I'm a part uh, of that. So, yeah, so, I mean, well, I mean, is that a good start? It's like maybe the people who vote, because, again, the NASR controls who's in and who's not, and they've been pretty inclusive, believe me. I mean, in the traditional soccer reporter sense, neither you nor I belong there, Dave, but they recognize what we do do as far as writing history articles as opposed to, quote, news. Uh, maybe it's like, okay, we're going to, they, they get the keys. If you're a member of that, you get the vote. And they t- I do think they tend to vet. They, they, they let bloggers in, and I think they're less inclined to let someone who's only, again, I'm temporarily here until I get to do the high school football report for my southern paper or whatever. Maybe that's a start. Um, uh, but Because at least you're on the, at least there's some way to define it. I mean, just, you just can't say, hey, anyone with a blog or a podcast gets the vote. You can't have it, uh, although soccer is pretty inclusive that way, and that is kind of representative of how it's gotten as big as it is because – you know individual entrepreneurs, if you will, have done this sort of thing, okay, maybe that's too random, so we need an umbrella organization, but we have one we have the n a s r maybe they'll be the clearinghouse um and 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 that's a start
1: yeah that's a great point it, yeah. that would be. i
2: think that's thankful you.
1: you know but uh you know I, I, the thing is too when you've got you know people that are that are at best uh opportunists they want you know they're their aspiration isn't to, say, cover soccer. Their aspiration is to get their byline in Sports Illustrated. And suddenly they're having the keys to the kingdom handed to them? I, I just don't get it. I don't get it. Um, because the, the passion and in the, in the background and, in, and the expertise in terms of historical context is lacking. I mean, a, a writer like you know, Pablo Mar with, with The Athletic, there's somebody who really has a deep, long-standing engagement with the history of the game. And if the National Soccer Hall of Fame is supposed to be an inherently historical institution, we we first of all should not be slanting it so much to the player category, which is a very short-term view of, of history, right? Um, and, again, kind of plays into that notion that soccer is still new here, right? Um, it, it also kind of plays into the notion of, well, you only have to know what's been going on. You have to have been paying attention in a relatively – uh, recent period of time to, to have some kind of an opinion on these players and, and and it's still not being reflected in terms of how these the, the, the ballots that are cast uh, how the how the turnout really is uh, but again the 50 percent threshold when you only get so many votes and the and the people that are having this you know too many people on the soccer beat and there's not too many people on the soccer beat again let's face it there's just really not that many but those that are on the soccer beat they just want to be on the sports beat, and then they're covering what the, what the other folks want to do. And they have to be really careful what they put in there in terms of getting their access but also getting, getting in print, right? What stories on soccer are actually going to allow them to get their byline in, in the Sunday edition is, is a whole other uh, thing that, that factors in this whole process. So, um, you know, too many beat writers don't have a sense of the game before 1994, And, again, this has been reflected in in the the last few years of of inductees.
0: So, gentlemen, uh, as we're about to uh, wrap it up on this show, um, I would like a suggestion from uh, both of you. Uh, It could be the same. It could be different. And then I'll kick in with my uh, two cents, and then we'll call it a night. So, David, you first. What uh, would you like to see changed, or what changes would you implement for the voting of these uh, wonderful players that should have gone in uh, whether it be first ballot second ballot or should just should just gone in period
1: well I would I would dissolve the three categories of, of players veterans and builders um, and because in under the veterans and builders category the idea that only one person can get in and then somehow no one does in either one that's that's a pretty big flaw and then to have the, the players thing be a separate thing when it's so skewed uh, to recent that you you literally age out into the 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 uh, veteran category, that doesn't make any sense. Um, you asked for one suggestion. Can we count that as one? I could go on. That's fine. If, if,
0: That's <laughs> fine. Listen, uh, you can break my rules. It's okay. I don't care. But, <laughs>
1: but uh, I really like, I just wanted I really like to... Steve's suggestion there of uh, NASR uh, being mm-hmm. involved. Uh, I'm not a member of the organization. Um, I've always wanted to, but to be honest with you, I, 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 um, I don't feel like I'm a, even though I write a lot of historical articles and, um, you know, scholarly and also obviously for the cosmos, um, I don't personally identify as a, as a journalist. And I've always seen that as more of a journalistic organization. Um, you know, I, what's, what's the rule. Uh, you know, you don't want to be a member of a club that'll have you, uh, mm-hmm. has me. And, uh, I, I really think, uh, Again, first and foremost, I think journalists are really important in that they're the, they're the first documenters, right? Um, someone like Bo I think, is such a fantastic uh, journalist with great historical perspective. I, I, you know, look, we disagree all the time on a lot of things, but I've so much respect for him. Uh, Star-Spangled Soccer, that book alone should be on everybody's shelf. Um, and, and, again, his coverage of the women's game is absolutely stellar. I I don't know if Bo has a vote or not, to be honest with you. Steve may know. Um, But, you know, more people like that, I I, I don't know uh, really in terms of the inner workings of NASR. But, uh, you know, as a board member of of SASH, um, I really believe that that as an organization, I don't mean this as an individual, but as an organization, uh, SASH needs to play a greater role um, for National Soccer Hall of Fame to be a, 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 a truly historic institution.
2: Steve, your turn. Well, first, uh, I want to agree. Star-Spangled Soccer is a tremendous book. Bo's use of sources is impeccable. Um, But uh, putting that aside, it's tough. Dave missed his own joke there. Anyway, um, it's (laughs) tough to say what one thing I'd want to do. Because, and I've said this on other shows, I mean, if I had my druthers, I would blow up the hall and start all over again. I, I mean, I really historically it's so flawed mm-hmm. in, in even that, that it's, 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 mm-hmm. it's just so broken. I, I don't know where to start. So assuming I get to do that, then it comes down to, all right, what do I want the hall to be? So I want it to be recognizing it, you know, soccer's everywhere. The best soccer in the world's not being played here. It may never be played here and it doesn't matter because there's good soccer being played everywhere. There really is no, truly great league. We can argue, some people say EPL, others will say La Liga, whatever. It's the beauty of the game, and it's truly worldwide. So, that's it. If, if, okay, this is going to be a league that honors American players, American-born, naturalized American players, Mm -hmm. Uh, then then we know what we're starting from. Mm -hmm. Frankly, that means you're not going to see Carlos Alberto, Beckenbauer, all your Cosmos favorites there, but at least we know what we're dealing with, and you'll see you know, you'll see American players. Or are we going to honor American soccer? And then, so, so mm-hmm. that may be, that means that Giuseppe Rossi's never going to be heard from, uh, but at least we know, okay, Then, but that includes Etcheverry, Valderrama, San Fuegos, mm-hmm. and it may not include, I mean, dare I say, like a, a Werner Ross, who like frankly, strikes me as kind of a fringer if we're going to talk about honoring, take the American part out of it, honoring Truly great players in American leagues. Well, I mean, but I mean, so depending on what road you're going down, everything else falls from there. So I, I really don't have one thing. I mean, basically, I guess my one thing would be okay. We're starting over, and you, Hall, you tell me what you want to be, and then I'll tell you how to fix it. Mm-hmm. that. Well, well, gentlemen, I'm gonna, gentlemen, I'm gonna take this into a
0: uh, personal level as. Steve has mentioned before, and I haven't. If I've already mentioned, if not, I apologize. I'll do it again. Steve and I are members of the North American Soccer Reporters uh, Union. Um, I don't get a vote. So
2: what I would do, I for the record, I don't either. Right?
0: Yeah. Yep. Yep. You said it before. You don't have. You don't get a vote either. Uh, you should get yeah. a vote. I believe. I believe. Uh, I believe historians that are truly dedicated to preserving. American soccer history, regardless if it is a homegrown or a national American player or an international, Amer- uh, international player that plays in the United States, MLS, NASL, ASL, whoever it may be, they deserve to have a vote. Um, and I'm also upset that Steve Trundolo, who has been part of this national team and has done everything in Germany, is still not even in the Hall of Fame, and he's an American-born player who has played all his life in Europe, and he's still not in the Hall, but what I would say is this, the designated media criteria should be erased. It should be all members of the media, and that includes those of us that are part of the North American Soccer Reporters, and when that happens, if we get a vote... That means the Soccer Hall of Fame should do this. If we, as members of the North American Soccer Reporters, are allowed to vote for the Soccer Hall of Fame, those players who are now in the Veterans Committee uh, to be voted on by the veterans should be allowed for a one time eligibility returned or two times, depending on how we're going to work this out, those players who are not eligible to be voted on the regular way, that has to go to the Veterans Committee, should return for eligibility so that we can properly vote them into the Hall of Fame. Because in my book, in my view, they've been discarded, they've been kicked to the curb, their careers have been thrown away, For whatever reason it is, it is not fair for those players to not be voted into the Hall of Fame all because of a broken system. If we are allowed to vote and if I'm allowed to vote, bring those players back from the Veterans Committee back to eligibility for one or two years so that we can properly give them their due. And that is how I feel about the situation. Gentlemen, I am very happy to call you colleagues. I'm happy to call you friends. Thank you very much for coming on the show. It's very important that we must never forget the history of this game in this country. Because even though there's been starts and stops, the players made the game as popular and as important as for them as it is to us. I thank you so much for your time Hope to talk to you again soon, and hopefully a right will be oh, – excuse me. Hopefully a wrong will be righted as soon as possible. Thank you, guys. Thank you so much for coming on tonight. Please be careful. Please be safe. Stay strong and vigilant, and be careful with you and your families during this whole pandemic. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you, Dan. It was a- hopefully we awesome.
1: can continue this conversation and- in person in time when it's safe.
0: Thanks. Yep. Oh, absolutely. Yep. Absolutely. And uh, maybe we'll talk about Jim Curtin's uh,
2: eligibility as a coach. <laughs> yeah. I, oh, you know, you're breaking up. Um, I, uh, you know, I, yeah.
0: <laughs> I try to talk silly for you, Steve. I guess I hit <laughs> a off the sore spot. <laughs> 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 but thank you very much, guys, and I will talk to you again soon. Take care. Thanks. Take care. All right. Take care. And uh, that will do it for tonight's show, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, Once again, it is a uh, a very, very hard thing to go through when you have to discuss about this game, where the history of this game has been perverted, and unfortunately, uh, we cannot allow that to happen. We cannot allow that to happen. It has to be said, our history is being railroaded by our own. It is friendly fire that is tearing it apart and tearing it down. Something must be fixed. Something must be fixed and fixed as fast as possible. Because right now, there's a crime being committed. And it's a self-inflicted wound that has to get fixed, or else the sport, the sport won't matter anymore. And that's all I can say. Once again, I'd like to thank Dr. David Kilpatrick, New York Cosmos historian. Uh, of course, Mr. Steve um, Holroyd, Society of American Soccer History It is great to have these men on tonight. I'm very excited to have them on tonight, and I hope they all have a good night. Uh, Thank you, everyone, for listening to tonight's show. And if he doesn't mind if I say this, I want to thank Alexi Lalas for listening to tonight's show as well. My name is Daniel Feuerstein. Join me next week as we are going to review the CONCACAF Gold Cup Qualifying draw as well as the group stage draw after the broadcast will be finished on both Fox Sports 2 and Division Deportes. That will be at 8 o'clock Eastern time, 5 o'clock Pacific. Thank you very much for listening to me tonight. And as always, please enjoy your football. Thank you. Have a good night. Take care. So long and bye-bye for now.